Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Hino. I'm Chaba. And I'm Cheesy. Today's topic is dependencies. And I can't start this podcast until Hino says something. <laughs> well, that was a great example of a dependency, of course. Um, I thought that we were going to talk about dependencies that you find in large organizations when multiple teams uh, effort is required to uh, to get certain features out or, or to, to to provide value to to your end users and some of those teams are, are maybe working in continuous delivery fashion and other teams are not and how do you deal with that the type of dependency we're talking about is where one team is required is dependent upon another team to deliver something and there are a few different ways you can approach that but I want to set some context around when you might choose one way versus another way so the scenario where we have maybe one team that's building a, a service that might have several front-end teams that actually are several teams that, that leverage that service, one of the struck problems that we have is that they don't have one set of priorities, but they have, in many cases, multiple set of priorities. And that will always lead toward uh, problems. One thing that I've seen work very successfully, but a lot of companies maybe not may not be in a place of doing that, is to start to reorg. So, for example, take that back-end team and break them up and move members from that team or move people into the different product groups so that, uh, so that you can virtually eliminate that dependency and stop trying to have so many constant re- resharable, reusable components and instead focus on rapid delivery of, of uh, software for, for, for the specific products. So in other words, moving away from having uh, lots of different architectural layer teams instead move to product teams. So if you can't do that, though, there are other techniques that can be used. Things like uh, leveraging feature toggles so that maybe the team that's ready earlier can continue to deploy and uh, actually not turn on the feature that's using that new backend system until the backend is ready. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of different techniques that can be deployed. In instances where breaking the dependency is not possible in such clean, technical ways, are there even other ways where you can get around it? Because we have this this desire for feature teams, and uh, I think Cheesy mentioned them as uh, product teams. If you're If you're not independent, are there other techniques that you can use to maybe ease the pain? The, the biggest issue, and um, Cheesy touched on it, is, is really the organizational structure. Is really the fact that we do not necessarily have all the the, the skills or, or or access to to the systems that need to change to bring a certain piece of value to to our customers. Feature toggles works. You can you can keep on testing by providing mocks or or, or fake backends or fake fake out those dependencies basically. But I've been in situations as well where we as a consumer then provide suggestions for what those uh, those interfaces need to look like and then by the time that those interfaces are actually delivered they're entirely different and uh, the way that you work with them are entirely different and it still causes some challenges as well so not breaking up those 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 technical uh, or if you can break up those technical dependencies cleanly i can think of a way that you wouldn't be able to do it with either one of those two two methods but it, it's really an organizational issue for me it's not a for me it's not a technical issue though 
that organizational issue almost always, uh, if you cannot restructure, if you cannot reorg, almost always requires some um, process that that facilitates alignment between different teams or between different parts of the organization to ensure that at those times that that we set that alignment, those, those milestones, if you want to call them that way, that we we have something to integrate and we have something to show, we have something to learn from. You know, you mentioned the organizational structure is sometimes the cause of uh, a lot of problems. And in this case, we're talking about dependencies. And these dependencies also have a hidden cost to them. Sometimes because these structures exist for so long, we sort of assume that they cannot be changed. And changing them has a big cost associated with it. So we try to avoid doing it because it's expensive. But at the same time, the hidden cost of actually managing the dependencies usually is higher than the cost of changing the dependencies so that or eliminating the dependencies so that stuff can actually get done. How do you make visible the hidden cost of dependencies so that you can actually do maybe some math which says the cost of the dependency, the cost of managing the dependency is actually higher than breaking it? Oh boy, that's a that's a very tough one. One of the best ways of of just to visualize the entire uh, flow is to create a value stream mapping. One possible way to visualize that dependency is: what if a feature or user story that you need to do? How long is that lead time? Uh, how how much time it takes a team that doesn't have the dependency? Let's say on on either side of that of that dependency, and then how much does it take the, for them together? And 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 especially looking at the wait times and the and the handoffs could be one very very strong indication on where is the cost and where is that 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 cost of delay. So that would be probably one of the the best ways to do it. But there's a huge caveat here, and the huge caveat is there has to be a very very strong buy-in from both sides of this of the dependency, because uh, value stream mapping bro- brings on the surface lots of inefficiencies and problems, which can create very significant organizational conflicts. Value stream mapping will will point that out. But we already know that dependencies have huge consequences. I mean, it's kind of well known in our industry that the more dependencies you have, the greater the risk for the project, if you're in in the old project management uh, methodologies, uh, or that the higher risk there is for developers. Developers know if I have a lot of integration points with other organizations, then the risk and the time goes up. So, but but back to the organizational aspects, companies have decided to optimize around reuse instead of optimize around delivery. So in other words, let's write less code, even though it might make us dramatically slower, we've actually written less code, yippee. So, but which which is incongruent with, the whole idea of continuous delivery. And I think that's why all three of us or all four of us actually have mentioned that it really is an organizational issue, you know, that, that if we organize around delivery, then we try to organize around eliminating dependencies. But I I think there's another aspect to this though. There are other software architectural ways that we can do to minimize the, the, the impact. I mean, there are several asynchronous architectural ideas that are out there you know, using message buses and microservices and such, even other things like customizable payloads using things like GraphQL or other tools like that, where, you know, we know that one size fits all on some of these services is not valid, but to be able to sort of have the consumer customize it on the fly, uh, you know, to so that it meets their needs 
is is a way to uh, at least minimize the impact of some of the changes that that we might see. I, I feel there there's some other things that we need to look at as well. For instance, just count very very simply. We can count, for instance, how long certain functionality that we have ready on one side is not possible to be used by our end users because of a, defendant, a dependency that has not been resolved. Currently, with, uh, with a situation where a team is actually ready to turn functionality on, but the backend uh, services are, are not there and will not be there for more than a month. Now, that's an awful lot of time wasted. That's an awful lot of time and effort and, and money wasted because we focus now all of our efforts on getting this functionality out there and just sitting there being idle and doing nothing. At the same time, we could have waited for a month and spend our time into something that was valuable and could immediately uh, give into our customers so that they could benefit from it. So trying to, to somehow quantify that cost of delay, the delay of a month as a result of the dependency, as a result of processes that are misaligned and that, that other teams are, are perhaps using, code freeze like uh, like needing to go through a through a, a whole set of manual regression tests making that that cost visible making it uh, making it very clear putting it in numbers that people understand and that and that that impacts them is uh, is going to help in my opinion we mentioned value stream mapping a couple times and uh, if you want to take the next step maybe on highlighting the cost of those dependencies uh, switching to Kanban can, uh, I find, be beneficial because the one thing that it does, it does a good job of visualizing your workflow from start to finish. And if finish is uh, your uh, software being in production, you can maybe better visualize where you're getting stuck. If you're getting stuck somewhere in a column or in a, in a state where you're dependent on other teams and next time management or whatever asks you what's going on, you can actually point and, and collect some metrics that, hey, you know, like this is this is where our, you know, control chart kind of blows up or this is where uh, our, our CFD gets stacked really high because this is where the dependency kicks in. And I think using those tools and some of those metrics that that, that a framework or not a framework, that, that a way of working like Kanban gives you can maybe highlight some of those things to, to management so that they can maybe be move to do something about it. It's it's a difficult question because uh, a lot of these dependence, dependencies are almost... Uh, assumed to be unshakable and, and trying to shake something which is always assumed to be like set in stone is always going to be uh, uh, challenging. So one of the things that Cheesy brought up was that uh, organizations are focused on uh, on reuse uh, instead of, of trying to get that value to the customers necessarily. I want to add another one that, that organizations focus on, which is completely in context of what you just said, Zerar. And that is the fact that they're organized, that they're focused on uh, utilization, on making sure that if somebody can spend two hours on something, that that will, instead of the four hours that it would take somebody else, that that particular person will be assigned that particular task because it's the best use of anyone's time. But that is completely ignoring, of course, a larger picture that other people might be waiting for that work that might otherwise be delivered in four hours. And this particular person who can do it in two uh, has a whole bunch of other things that they are the specialist in as well on their list. So it will take them another 16 hours before they can get to that task to start with. So that utilization, that that 
that kind of idea that if I am the fastest to do this, then it should be assigned to me is completely messing up everything that we've learned and that we know about value delivery. So, you know, you're talking about pretty much local optimization, right? And the interesting question is always that these local optimizations happen on various levels within the organization. It could be within a team, could be between, as you, as you mentioned, dependencies or even, even higher level. And, and, and often, and this is the, the toughest one, these from that particular team's perspective are not actually visible. And, and that's why we, we always recommend value stream mapping to, to visualize the entire value stream end to end to highlight those, those, those areas where sometimes are these boundaries, where are between teams. It's almost like who is minding the gap. It's almost like, well, it's not my gap because I finished my work. The other team is, well, it's not my gap because I am just waiting for that work or I'm busy with other things. So the question is then, who minds the gap? And, and this is where, where the whole organizational problem comes up and, and the leadership uh, uh, comes up. I think somebody mentioned earlier that uh, this could be a prioritization problem, where if you have team A that's working on a product and team B that's working on three products and uh, team A is dependent on it, well, get in line because we got two other things going on, which are higher priority than team A. What guidance would you give, uh, say, a senior leader when they are trying to figure out why a certain project is taking a long time? Uh, and the answer is that, oh, well, I'm, I'm dependent on project A and B, and they're not really delivering yet. Yeah, that's that's a really tough one, because this is a, a problem that has existed since uh, for, for a few decades now, for, for a really long time. We, we got uh, five minutes to solve it. Okay. okay. You know, again, that this problem won't go away as long as we continue to keep this structure that we have, where we build uh, a team that is as responsible for delivering something that numerous front-end teams are are dependent on. So, I mean, it is all about prioritization. And we might say, well, maybe we should do more portfolio planning. But the problem is, is that so often, and I see it again and again, these things don't span just one one, one portfolio or even one business unit, but it might span numerous business units that all have their own priorities and, and often it becomes who has the most money to spend or who shouts the loudest, who wins. So the, the, the real solution to this sort of problem, the long-term solution to this sort of problem is to rethink the way that we've structured the organization. Now, I know that's a really difficult thing and, uh, and very few companies actually do it. That's why this problem continues to persist. Quite a number of years ago, I, I, I uh, was lucky enough to attend um, a, a session that was delivered by Mary Poppendick, where she explained how the Empire State Building was built in, in I think it's 18 months or something like that, which was quite impressive uh, back in the 1930s. So one of the things that was really interesting there is that it was not one central person who was or who was basically giving orders to the masons to do a certain job and then to the, the, the plumbers to do a certain job and to the electricians to do a certain job or to the architects. It didn't all matter. They just brought them together in one big room and they tried to figure out together how they needed to align themselves to achieve that goal together. And that, that was ultimately what, what was driving the success of this. And, and also they challenged the processes that they knew until then, and they invented some new ones. Anyways, what I, what I learned from that, if you're an executive and you're dealing with that particular problem, 
I don't think you can solve it. The only thing that you can do is facilitate a conversation between the different parties who uh, own a piece of the solution and try to figure out how they together can come up with a with a, a structure or with a priority that makes sense for them all. And um, and sometimes that might require that you as a as an executive, if you're only one of the few or one of the one of the many executives, that's actually what I mean, uh, at the same level who also have uh, have demands for those same teams. Uh, sometimes you you might want to sit together with those executives that are at your level itself, take that ownership and try to figure out how you can uh, align it across the board. But really, it's the teams themselves that need to get an understanding of what the real priorities are, what they mean for the organization, and try to figure out how they can organize their, their work best. But for that, they need visibility in the, the larger picture. If you are starting a new piece of work, uh, one, of the, one of the nice ways to start it off might be not assume what the team is, but get all the people that are required to deliver the software and let them self-organize and come up with its with their own team. So instead of you picking, you know, two back-end developers, two front-end developers, a UX or whatever it is, let the team organically form by assessing what the work is. Uh, I'm going to put some labels on these. Uh, so some of the patterns that that we see in the in the in the biggest organization are they organize based on architectural kind of uh, layers. Like there is the uh, mainframe team and there's a middleware and so on and so forth. And then the the one level which is a bit better or a bit more mature is when you have component teams where they would be kind of more responsible to build components which are more cross-functional. And then we have feature teams who can now build an entire feature into the entire vertical. Of course, in a larger organization, that's that's not feasible. But the more control they have over that feature and the more things that they can do by themselves, the, the more success they are going to have. And, and Zerar, to your, to your question, if you could assemble a team that can go as deep as possible into that, into that stack and, and deliver that feature, the, the less dependencies you will have and the less of, this, of, these, of these problems as an organization you have to solve. But to be able to build that team in the first place, you need the, the buy-in and the, and the collaboration across potentially multiple stakeholders that in a traditional uh, sense might have ownership over those, those architectural layers or over those uh, uh, downstream systems. So there are no easy answers here, but I'm, I'm just hoping, and this is what we've seen as trends in the industry, that more and more organizations are, are standing up feature teams. And that concludes this edition of the Continuous Delivery Podcast. Goodbye.